everyone. What's up? How's it going? Tuning in once again to the Cube and Chaos podcast. I'm Max, aka Finite MTG. I'm here with Crackshot, aka Jakob. Hey, everybody. And this time on our show, we have JNQT or Jesse joining us. So, Jesse, pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the uh, winner of our draft away. And we'll so now part B of the Artifacts Cube episode. So, we'll be talking about that later. But um, so we have Jesse here. We'll be talking about the draft away, which I sadly couldn't play in. So, how did that go down, Max? Uh, well, Jesse did not just win the uh, the draft away as in the raffle itself, but we also won the matches. So getting a trophy out of that event was definitely uh, pretty exciting, I think. And that's not all the winning JNQT has done recently, um, because I believe he started 10-0 and in Modern recently in Vegas. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I had the 10-0 the start into the 10-3-1 and 31st place, but I'm not mad about oh, it. It was no. a... My my first uh, like comp Ariel constructed tournament, so it was a, a real like you know a, a pretty wild experience and a good run, and I, I had a yeah a pretty amazing time. Uh, I mean, it definitely sounds like a bummer at the end, but that start is super super impressive. So I'm curious too, uh, just to hear a little bit more about kind of what your history with Magic has been like. Would you mind telling us about your uh, signature spellbook? It's the cards that um have accumulated over the years that have been special to you or significant somehow yeah totally yeah i love this idea and it's fun it's been funny to hear other people's in the past so i was i, I had a fun time putting this together yeah i mean basically you know, my arc with my, i was just like a casual as a kid stopped playing probably in like 2007 or something you know played like from late 90s till then and and the card i have kind of like from that era is my favorite card when i started playing magic that i just thought was busted in half and i loved slamming it on the was glorious and i was just like yeah this is the best magic card ever made you know i had a i remember i had a play set with like three from seventh edition and one edition that's like when i was like yeah this is uh the coolest thing you can do in magic is play one mana two ones and then a glorious anthem that does sound pretty cool to me yeah i mean you know it's funny because because uh <laughs> I'll reference this later on in this public, but a really serious later era for me was, you know, just hard forcing mono white and vintage cube. So definitely didn't lose that impulse, you know. Yeah, but. you're not the not the first um, on this podcast who peer who really likes the mono white and cube and likes the white small creatures. Yeah, I definitely love them. I've it's I actually thought for a while if I ever bought it because I also basically when I, I came back to Magic around 2000, I think 17, 18 maybe, and I only played limited. So I, I played limited only from then until basically quarantine when I started getting injured. I always assumed I would end up playing white decks. It turns out that the limited player in me just loves playing. I just love to play games about attacking and blocking, uh, removal spells. And, yeah. you know, so, so I've ended up playing Jund in Modern, which I guess I could talk, this is a little out of order, but the, <laughs> the card that, that has also come up in conversations about Cube is Urza Saga, which you kind of, uh, when, when we first talked about the spellbook, right, you, you brought that card up. Right. Why did you bring it up? Because it's not a spell and shouldn't appear, or <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> JNQT actually but... suggested that for the one mana cube I'm building, and I don't even have a good answer yet to whether or not it would be a good inclusion. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more later about this card in terms of the artifact cube, <laughs> where it's maybe not the best inclusion, but um, yeah, the... I've never seen that card in the artifact cube. Yeah. <laughs> A couple people did, though, and I picked it up yeah, both I got, times. I got it past as well. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I can't really imagine. It's. Uh, I understand arguments for and against including it in a cube like the one, the one CMC cube, but 
or sorry, the one MV cube, I guess is the, <laughs> the way to say it now. Sure. But yeah, that card, you know, that, that card is an integral part of the strategy I, I played at, at the GP, um, the Jun Saga deck. And that's constructed, you know, I won't sully your airwaves with too much constructed talk. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found like a, just the kind of toolbox, having like a subset of a, deck, a small impact in the deck in as, as far as like card count, but that gives you like virtual copies of bullets is something that I just like absolutely love playing with mm. that pattern of being of having you know main deck game against various strategies and limited to like just being able to include situational cards that you get virtual access to that allows you to kind of play to different outs or or to, to craft like a, a less just kind of like standard approach to games that that card just is very interesting to me. and unlimited where you you know you're, you have one copy of everything getting a second you know like the tutor package i think is adds a lot of depth to the gameplay if you have it in your deck and it feels like shit when your opponent slams it against you, obviously, <laughs> and has whatever they need. Sure. Yes. Yeah, it can happen in limited a lot that you just know you don't really have an out. But... Yeah, or there's like a zone thing yeah. where you maybe have one. Like I, I was thinking of a game of the Artifact Cube where you maybe, I'm, I'm pretty notoriously bad at remembering card names, so you'll have to bail me out. But yeah, I'm sure you know the, the, the three mana, the two and a black, three, two, that can minus X, minus X when it attacks, if you discard a card. You know that card? Oh, it's called Armix. Armix. Yeah, that, creature. Yeah, yeah, and that card. Uh, you know, there was a game where like I was able to remove all their onboard artifacts, but that creature was still minus. You know, sixing my board because of the graveyard, and then just yeah. that feeling limited sometimes when you're like, oh, I just wish I could had some way to interact with the zone. I just can't. And if you know, if you have one Nile spell bomb in your deck and a way to tutor it, that feels like a whole different angle. You can think kind of in a different way. Sure. Yeah, yeah I remember. Um, I was playing against that card, and I managed to kill a token, which of course hits the graveyard, but only very briefly. So, um, <laughs> right, yeah, that's a very ephemeral hitting the. <laughs> right, um, but yeah, it almost the ability that you're describing almost reminds me of lesson learn. Uh, just kind of like that's a great example. Yeah, and I know that's a favorite mechanic of Jakob, so maybe we'll turn him around yet on the Urza Saga. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, I mean, if the power level is. Um, not too steep, then. then yeah, I think if the if the constructs aren't ten ten, then it's pretty reasonable. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, the, the problem the problem I see there is a little bit like in in a cube. Um, when Ursa Saga gets more fair, it's often when it can't tutor for something, but right. then it also doesn't have this toolbox implication, which makes it a lot less um, exciting. Yeah. Right. If if all it is is like twos or two twos, then it's not actually that dynamic. Yeah, it might still be too good or maybe too weak, depending what's what's around right. it. But it's certainly not as exciting. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I, I like I said, I, I don't really have a stance on cubes, but I think it's you know a singular card. And uh, I will say just to the power level in modern, uh, a play pattern I saw a lot with people who hadn't played against it is you know the Gen player yeah yeah I passed with the Urza Saga Chapter Two in open mana. And I heard opponents say, like, okay, so they make a 1-1 one, one next. And it's like, no, I can be attacking with a 4-4 four, four lifelinker just from the chat, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I can yeah. I can make a token, untap, trigger on the stack, make get Shadow Screen if I have enough, you know, if you yeah. have enough mana. Like, that's, it's just, it's, yeah, four, it's four just. 4 on text and a 3-3 three, three on blocks. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot more than, it's hard to, like, tell you see the card a lot and get used to the, it can be hard to kind of adequately play around it. Yeah, for sure. Um but maybe, yeah, maybe I'll continue down the book. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, please. sure. So speaking of um, Urza Saga's targets, I, I think this is another card um, in your one mana cube that I brought up was, this might be on the underwhelming side of Urza Saga targets, but Short Sword. Uh, oh, okay. 
So I, <laughs> I absolutely love short sword. <laughs> I'm like a massive fan and, and, uh, it brings to mind a time for me. So quarantine, I played a pretty serious amount of M21 mm-hmm, yeah. on, on moto and was kind of involved, you know, trying to chase trophies there and had some matches and, and I think I looked at the at my account after, after that set, and I think I had like almost close to 100 short swords. So I was like, oh wow, I really was picking that card a lot. And I, you know, the more I thought about it, I, there's something just so fascinating about it's like it basically does nothing, but it does nothing at a rate that's reasonable. And like that to me is just such an interesting design that, that, that like that you know there's there's formats where that is a playable part of the format and can be totally of use. You know, and, and I I just love the card. Yeah. It's a really neat one. I mean, I do think it gets underrated quite a bit. People look at it almost like it's a vanilla card. Like there's just not very much going on, but um, it is really weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely, for instance, yeah, for the Urza Saga dream. If you <laughs> hopefully, if you draft the Urza Saga, maybe you wheel the short sword out of the same pack or something. Oh yeah, or... I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not uh, getting it on the wheel is a big part of why you copy. <laughs> it's not <laughs> I pick, but. Exactly, but I, yeah. I really love cards that are impactful. Yeah, like good playables. Like it's a nice chaos draft card for sure too. Oh yeah, you would not see me pass in the chaos draft. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's like that card's not that much worse than. I mean, okay, it's obviously really worse than Shadow Spear, but like, man, you know, getting the uh, getting the four four attack on the Urza Saga, pretty good. You know, not bad. And it's and it is a, and uh, you know, short sword. It's kind of a one mana one, but it's also kind of two two. It's so cheap to equip that you can always equip it to your whatever creature you have on blocks. You know. Yeah, that's the cool thing. Like, it really lets you spin your wheels and gives you options for each turn of what to do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and in that, and in M twenty one, I think the thing that really pushed it over was that one in a green three that could only attack when it had four power. Yeah. Mm, yep. And so, man, you put a short sword on that. Oh yeah, base. <laughs> I don't know. For sure. Little sleeping dinosaur. <laughs> sleeping dinosaur. Yeah, I don't. Know. It might be drowsing pteranodon or something, but yeah, uh, that's right. Somewhat, right. Yeah, I've been you know uh, I've been really impressed with card name. I have to say, so <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'll take it, but I still can't remember the one mana one one that uh, deals the damage to something when it dies. <laughs> Goblin arsonist, I know that. One. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you got my blind spot. So. <laughs> well, because that was in in M twenty one, I was like kind of obsessed with a stupid deck, which was that plus the death touch trick, whatever that was, the alchemist brand. Death. Oh, sure. No, yeah. No, way, way worse than than uh, <laughs> Blade Branch draws a card. <laughs> right yeah. the gift is fun too though well gift with the skeleton did you ever do you guys ever symbol that that's you know basically <laughs> <laughs> there's a the, the skeleton the e damage to anything skeleton yeah, so just... really easy to remember <laughs> yeah. yeah skeleton archer right so you just in response give it death touch and boom chupacabra <laughs> i had someone actually do that to me in um a draft of the chaos cube not with quite the same cards but same idea um, but anyway, <laughs> number of tangents there. I'm curious to hear what your next card is. Well, so so the next the next card I have is a card I'm naming, but I'm just using this. I'm so Wind Drake is the card. Now okay. I just I'm I'm just talking about a wind, right? Any any three mana two two flyer. Um, color doesn't matter. I, yeah. Wait, sorry. Say that again. The color doesn't matter for you, or does it have to be blue? No, blue or white. It's yep. you know, the same card. And basically, so for me, this is like um, another real. Uh, moment I had with with specifically Chaos Draft at some point in maybe 2019 or no 2020 I got really obsessed with this one kind of bad Chaos format that they had on Moto it was like a curated Chaos Draft it was like the grave it was like supposed to be like graveyard and I, I can't remember I can't remember what it was like they picked you know like 12 sets or something and made a Chaos Draft that was like grave cycling I think yeah 
a grave cycle, yes, that's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only that's the only league I've ever trophy led. So I, I did it. I finished that one in first place. And that was like I only only had the time to do it because I was in but the the way that it, I did that was just drafting Windrake decks while everyone was trying to do graveyard stuff. <laughs> just, <laughs> and, and that's that's like, you know, a kind of a go to in basically that. I'm just I love a, a Flyers deck. I love racing math. I love, you know, counting on a bout and spell to get to gain three life and move a blocker and win on a with a chump attack into some blockers, you know. So that that card is just there kind of as a spiritual placeholder for all that for that kind of strategy, which is like maybe my favorite thing to do in magic and basically my favorite thing to do in limited, you know, is just a bunch of flyers, a totally lost, and you know, maybe some one threes. Yeah. It's just great. It also often just works. Like I remember yeah. from the casual kitchen table days, like Gaia Skyfolk was like one of the most insane cards there. What is that card? Is is that the uh one in the green for a two two flyer? Oh uh, yeah, not one in the green, two in the green. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, insane. Well this yeah, this format had the one in the two one flyer that has the like phantasmal text, like if it gets targeted it dies. Yeah. I love that card. I I would put like seven of them. <laughs> I would fear of healers or pingers. Yeah, I mean just I don't think there were pingers. Before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That would be rough. Who doesn't love a good Windrake, especially in Chaos? Like, that's just, I don't know. If you're not drafting those, are you really even winning? Yeah, exactly. Like, what what rate are you looking for, if not that? <laughs> um, it's also one of the the creature stats that, like, work in the most types of decks. Like, I wouldn't mind in the control deck. I would probably, they would not be played on turn three then, maybe. But it's still a decent Yeah, card it's a serviceable, right, it's a serviceable, like, you know, yeah, in a limited control deck where you have blockers like in the game. Yeah. Um, in an aggressive deck, like it keeps pulling, pushing through the damage once the board has stalled. It just always works, and it's just flexible and decent at a decent price. It's a cool card. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's a, I think it's a card that like I would be happy to put in my Masters Edition Two draft deck, and <laughs> that'd be pretty. And I'd be reasonably happy to put in my Innistrad Vow deck. You know, it's like yeah, it just, yeah. it just, you know, it's it's obviously the power levels. It's it's not the best card in Innistrad, but it's you know it's a uh, it's cool to see a card like that cool. like yeah somehow still relevant yeah um, and then yeah if you're gonna give me like Windrick with upside like they often do in you know, at common oof uh, yeah I love that <laughs> yeah, those are um, like, uh, random tutu DK zombie just yeah exactly or like or prowess <laughs> right like there was that there was that prowess one I love that yeah I yeah, love that so actually kind of in in this, thinking of that same time period, the, the only ever kind of clever, cute deck I liked to draft in that in that format, which it was interesting because it was a small enough format that it was basically, you know, it had a lot of the elements of chaos, but there there were some you could kind of count on. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vengeful Rebirth was the card that I would actually pick to, that actually kind of went on with the like design philosophy of that format that I found to just be like one of the funnest and most memorable, like one of the cards that had some of the most memorable outcomes, you know, like putting seven mana with cycling in your graveyard and then doming your one for seven. I don't mm. know if you guys, do you guys know this card, Vengeful Reaper? Yes. Yes. It is in my, it is or was in my um, Peasant Cube. Yeah, I remember that one. It is a red-green rampy theme and there's not all too much for that and it's a nice, really nice two-for-one or sometimes just kill opponent dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and this is what, like, and maybe this is our draft away, but I, I really love having just the angle in a deck that you have the ability to go face with a significant amount of damage i think it just like lets you play like you know not not concede games where you know actually if i just get vendral rebirth and i get this in my graveyard you know i have an out 
<laughs> so that's just that's just kind of that's the card thinking about that chaos format i love and also just kind of a, a shout out to all spells that can go like seven to the face Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah just need three of those right <laughs> yeah that's that's a deck sign me up <laughs> and then i have a couple more here so another card for me is a uh, lotus petal Ooh, spicy yeah so i mean you know i i, I know that there's been talking a lot of chaos but you know like I said, I've I've really loved Vintage Cube, and I really love aggressive strategies in Vintage Cube. And I have the last maybe year or so, I've been kind of experimenting with Fair Lotus Petal, and I, to some actual success. And I I thought I would just I would share that this kind of a pet card of mine, getting it on the wheel and casting a you know a turn one Eidolon or a uh, turn three Cure of Bladehold, and just saying you know. I, I'm mulliganing, but I'm I I'll mulligan for a time walk happily. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. It's it's certainly a card that I am not respecting nearly as much as you as, as it seems. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's a I know that it's a controversial take, which I, I kind of want to hear you guys' thoughts about. I could maybe send you some decks. I've the theory for me is that in specifically mono white aggro, the three and four drops are impactful enough that I don't mind. You know, it's kind of like if Chrome Mox is good is a is an A in that deck, which I think it is. You know, like obviously you prefer a a, mo- a real Mox, but that. I think I'd generally be willing to skip to that card, skip to that at the cost of a card, just with the theory that getting a three, one of the, one of those three drops or four drops in play a turn early can off, often just kind of crack open a vintage cube game. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's played a lot of mono white, I I'm inclined to like understand the take for sure. I don't love effects like that, like the the fake Moxon and the Lotus Petal. They're not my favorite, but only because to me they feel like so much higher variance because they really do depend on like. What the rest of your hand looks like they're like super, super strong like i don't know one example of i mean i've played lotus petal before in my aggro decks for sure i also remember oh yeah uh trophying with like a rite of flame in my mono red deck <laughs> just oh like, i mean i i think seeking song into that's a real thing in my yeah life. i feel yeah. like i'm really underestimating this um this fast <laughs> mana in my mono white decks i'm not drafting it quite as often as you guys i think and I'm, i feel like i'm a little bit behind because um, in my head, both of those cards were really more on something I would put into a deck that just likes to draw a lot of cards and trouble of getting traction on the board. That's the only place where I I saw them you know, like in my experience before where I would put them, but I guess I'm, I'm missing out on something. I would say, like, for me, the argument for playing them in the aggro decks is, like, you know, if you resolve, like, Hero of Bladehold on turn four and they just, like, play a Planeswalker or whatever and kill it, and then you lose the game, that sucks. But then maybe if you had resolved it on turn three, well, suddenly turn four is too slow for them to interact with it or play their Chupacabra or whatever, and then suddenly like you're getting an attack, seven damage, and suddenly <laughs> you know, you're leaving tokens behind when it gets I was gonna killed. Say, but in, 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 and I would hope in, in a well-constructed, it would never be for seven damage. It would almost be always be for 12, you know, because yeah. you have other stuff in play. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not... Yeah. Not super. I mean, twelve is a lot, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was actually just that's probably wrong. <laughs> you could do it. I mean, I, I think there's probably a way. Um, so I feel like in the recent iterations of the Vintage Cube, I don't know if the trend continues with the now upcoming season. Um, they have pushed Mono White a little bit away from the strong early drops, a bit more towards three to four drops. And would you say that makes the strategy of playing the Chrome Mox and the Lotus Petal in that deck more important, or does that make it worse? Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. I Max, I like the last iteration of it was up the very most recent one. 
I actually felt for the first time that I've ever drafted Vintage Cube that White was respected by the other people at the table. Like I, you know, I in the past I've drafted Mono White as often every two out of three drafts with yeah. a, a pretty high win rate, and I kind of never get bored of it because trophying is really fun in my experience. <laughs> Good but, idea. Yeah, the last time I drafted the last Vintage Cube around, I actually don't. I think I maybe had one on a white deck because I, you know, the reason I end up with that deck so much is that it's so open. So I haven't drafted a lot of mono white in the newest iterations. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you have you experienced the new build? Yeah, I mean, I didn't play very much during the last season, uh, but I heard a lot of reports of that from a lot of people. I mean, um, like a lot of people who normally force mono white or just play it uh, very frequently. Um, I think, yeah, things are finally changing. Uh, this podcast has been talking for a while about how good mono white is, but I think it's more likely that if people are catching on, it's because, um, I don't know, something to do with the mocks involving like Vintage Cube, uh, like yeah. stuff like Blade Splicer over Channel. I think people remember that and took that to heart. I think a lot of it uh, comes yeah, from... Yeah, and I, I, by the way, like I, I think that's a... If I was if I was drafting for tens of thousands of dollars, I would. I think that's a really reasonable pick. Yeah, I mean, I that's actually an extremely difficult one for me because... I would like to think that the other players at the table would also respect mono white so much that you know yeah, it might exactly. become less of a reasonable choice but i don't actually know um, yeah i think that's i guess that's a let's say that you dis, disregard levels if you disregard like metagaming then i think that's a reasonable pick just on power level in the cube yeah. i might pick channel just thinking like i bet that i can get a finale of devastation and have you know right yeah uh, and but it's definitely tricky because like blade splicer is not a huge white signal but channel is a huge green signal and so you're really like committing to not trying to read signals i think if you do that yeah that's a good point i guess i was thinking of kind of pick one pack one but i i think that's a really real take the the, the, the just the signaling the del the delta and how much it, that signals is, is actually yeah i mean we, we should we could uh, this is this pick has been debated for a long time. We should. I don't think we're gonna add much to it. It's interesting. Thing yeah, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just, I think it's. We like have to come back to it like every third or fourth episode, and we have to go back <laughs> to talking about Master's Edition every few episodes. Otherwise, we wouldn't stay true to ourselves. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love I, Master's Edition. I think what it comes down to for for me is like that's like a genius pick that like nobody expected like that's the kind of thing i would do and that's the reason i don't stream vintage cube because i think it would make people mad and people would have so many questions that you know <laughs> but seeing it at such a high level just kind of prompts a bunch of uh you know not so much anger but like questions and like people continuing to think about it so yeah, yeah, by well, no yeah I, mean, I don't think it's that contentious in the in the circle of people who watch cube a lot and who would watch it i don't think so yeah, it's like specifically the people who did not play very much mono white before and now probably do. <laughs> and also the right. people who watched like Cedric, like trophy 10 drafts in a row or whatever with mono white. And well, and I, I, yeah, I think also like how much of this just comes like, I think that the conversation about Vintage Cube and what it is, like when I first started Vintage Cube, it was, Luis was kind of the meta, you know, or like yeah, what exactly. I think, I think what what people <laughs> thought of Vintage Cube was cool to do was try to like do Luis or like Numat stuff, you know. And neither of them are big mono white drafters, so yeah. No, and they and they have a they have their angle, which is like yeah. And I think the the cool takeaway from that is yeah, mono white. I mean, uh, vintage cube is a way is a, is a can approach in radically different ways with success if you know what you're doing and if you know what how to build the decks you're trying to build. But I think for a long time people just thought like doing blue broken stuff was the only approach. Right. Yep. 
I definitely agree. I don't know. I think one of the really cool things about mono white is for so long that it was like not respected and not very well known. And unfortunately, I think it's finally starting to change. <laughs> um, so, well, totally. And I think, you know, uh, I, I think uh, limited level ups did like a mono white vintage cube episode as a and, and yeah, you know, with, with the trophy leader there too. So yeah, I think, I think the work has gotten out. Sadly, I can't just uh, win 80% of my mono white drafts anymore, but I, I I'll survive. You know, I, I can draft. Maybe. Uh, Maybe I can convince you all to now draft uh, my favorite deck with uh, uh, at, at least four color um, aggressive leaning mid range. Take all the well, things and then take all the aggressive cards. That as long as favorite. as long as you have a strip mine in there, I'm down. Yeah, sure. <laughs> then, then maybe maybe um, maybe you put also a few um, Ruben up excavators and uh, yeah, even a crucible in there. Yeah, yeah oh, and add a Bob and um, yeah. and and a Paolo and. Uh, you got yourself a deck. <laughs> similar, um, similar numbers of colors in the artifact cube, Jakob, but uh, we'll come back to that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah so you're, you're going to have to the I started out with a really, with a 6 0 trio, and then I think ran like 50% from there. So I, I need to hear your thoughts on it. All right. Jakob and I uh, kind of ran the tables. Uh, I mean, Jakob did, I think, the whole time, but for me, it was. Yeah, like... I didn't play quite as much as I would have loved to, but. Yeah. Okay, we're still at your at your. <laughs> oh, I actually, I, I hate to break it to you guys, but that's all I did. That's oh. oh no, that's that's okay then. Since we were just talking about the artifacts cube, I guess we will talk about that oh, now. Wait. And then... <laughs> actually, I, I messed up. I have one more. <laughs> yeah, then we do that. Let's, let's hear it then. Uh, yeah. Okay, but it actually it's basically just wrapping up, which is I I, I saw that in this new iteration of Vintage Cube they have taken out unexpectedly absent, what? and uh, that is just a huge. I'm like I was like heartbroken to see. That is really sad. I think it's a criminally underrated, and yes. I just I have a you know, I just I'm on record loving it, and I just wanted to come here and say, you know, rest in peace. One of the <laughs> most flexible white interactive spells that I just love putting in basically any deck, but especially yeah. an aggressive deck. You know, yeah, if you could just put their signet back on top of their deck, oh, I'm what is good. what is better than that? Sure. And then, yeah, and then sometimes it just wins the game. Just having the key, that key flexible interaction that has that's unique and that can be actual removal or it can be this incredible tempo play i think it's a really unique and beautiful card and i'm super bummed to see that yeah i mean the only thing that you can really compare i think would be oust in that card i mean it's fun and it's nice the cheapness is yep. really a strong draw of that card but you lose so much flexibility like you said so exactly oust is like also a card i really like but it's much more restricted to more control index i think or as a sideboard card i would sideboard it in an aggressive deck but i don't would i wouldn't love to yeah, I'm not. I'm not thrilled. Yeah, I'm more I'm of an ouster like than you guys are. But <laughs> anyway. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I like that card quite a bit because sometimes, I mean, for me, it feels like a lot of my mono white games come down to like two things: like speed and whether I have answers, like removal. Yeah, if I'm fast enough, you know, great, that'll win a game. But if I'm not fast enough, then how am I going to remove my opponent's like permanence? And you know, oust is a very cheap way to do that. Allows you to double spell whatever. The three life hasn't been very significant in the games that I've played with it. So, right. yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's um, stronger than I feel like because you're not actually ever attacking with a lot of two ones. Um, <laughs> the cards are really packing a punch nowadays. So the yeah. three life might really not. Yeah, be three, the, the three life is more sorcery speed that it only hits creatures. They're just like decks that it's dead against, and okay. it's not a high enough rate that it's not like STP where yeah, that's dead against some decks, but it's it's such high upside that i find to have it in my deck it's like yeah. kind of it's marginal and 
not universally applicable where, you know, show me a deck that Unexpected's bad again. I've, I've never seen one. <laughs> I, it does not exist, a bad matchup for Absent. Like I agree. Anything. Like something, something Storm, not really, though. No, it's <laughs> amazing. Well, you, you, you don't have any Signets in your Storm deck? No, I do. <laughs> well, I also <laughs> have a Storm deck, so... <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think Storm, but that's a whole other issue. Storm is not really a thing, but even then, it's I think a good card against the. Storm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you actually really have to worry about your Storm matchup in a way. <laughs> okay, well, so that's that's my actual, and I think we, I, I'm sure we could all talk about. <laughs> yeah, so I guess as guess your two experiences with the artifacts cube were um, very opposing because um, Max has said he had a, a rough start, but then things kind of fell in place and. You started off well, and then the wheels came off. So, what 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 were your first two drafts, Jesse? What did you? Yeah, mine, mine, my first one. I had Luris and Emmanuel. It was a cakewalk. And yeah, then, I can see that. Yeah, yeah the, and then my second draft, I had Luris, no Emery, and didn't get, and, and just didn't get quite enough stuff. I can't even remember. It just, it just, it was like you know when you draft a really good deck, and you draft another deck trying to draft that really good deck, and the little key things that made the first deck good weren't there. It was that, right? And then I think I had a random 2-1 where I cast a lot of Salvage Titans, and that okay. <laughs> Salvage Titan is definitely a sweet one. I'm really glad to hear that, um, I don't know, that was a card that performed well for you. Just because, like, that's been, like I said uh, on Twitter, one that's been on the fence for me a while for my Artifact Cube. Yeah, Jakob, did that, did that card ever, did, did you put that card in any of you? Uh, no, actually not. I have not, I haven't tried it. Uh, what kind of deck wants it? Is it like the, um, the eggs? style deck or yeah i had it i also had it in my trophy deck a couple of the spell bombs that you could draw a card or they go in the bin yeah and i i, I found that to be pretty reasonable sure yeah, just as a as a turn three I play or turn four play and you know uh, the nile spell bomb and i had the uh the one the one that makes a one one mer i can't remember the origin i think yeah 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 origin origin is a card i think that's good enough for my um one mana cube i mean it's not a thraven inspector right but it it kind of is <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's definitely that's sweet. Um, and disappointing, too, that, I don't know, I don't want to say, like, the wheels fell off. That feels a little dramatic, I think, but, um, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I to be fair, I think I did three drafts, one, you know, 3-0, 2-1. So it's not like I, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't really buy back in. I didn't really decide to, to learn. Yeah, I think I also misunderstood you first. I thought you went 3-0 with the first deck and then 6-0 with the second. Um, oh, no, no. Like the I just, first I just... one was, like, a clean sweep and then... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what what kind of I I, let's, I guess so, you guys already talked about. That. Yeah, my no, like last week, not last week. I think we recorded just before, so it's like two weeks ago. I think no, I think it was last week. No, it was last week. Um, so we talked a bit about of what our expectations would be, and I started my first draft first, but um, I really built around Dance of the Man's in my first deck, and yeah, that's yeah, and so it had a lot of these these artifacts that come into play and draw a card, and then somehow. Put themselves in the yard so i think that one would have liked the salvage titan um didn't maybe yeah, i could see I that didn't think of it but i didn't have it in but it still went well and this is like a type of deck that i've seen other people draft and i think was a very cool um addition to the cube and i think also enough to justify um like the um the rise and shine which i think might have been a little bit strong but uh Having like these type of effects that animate multiple creatures and um, all these just dorky one or two mana artifacts that enjoy your card at some point really gave 
that it went down a lot of just stuff to fill this huge cube with. And therefore, mm -hmm. I think it's a very good addition. Wait, so, yeah. sorry, I, I might be missed that. Is, I can't remember, is Rise and Shine in the Artifact Cube? It oh, is yeah. In, yes. I think it's one of the better cards. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pass that card. I, I don't pass that card in MH2. Either. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I have attacked for 20 the turn I cast a Rise and Shine with my lands in MH2. Yes. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have not uh, lost to it, but it's always something that was on my mind. And just when your opponent starts building up those um, crappy artifacts that they could sacrifice for some minor advantage, but they don't, then you always know ah, something's something's coming up there, something's brewing. And, and hopefully it's a mirror enforcer, right? <laughs> and not yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, so... And, and also, like, yeah, with other mirror enforcer stuff, either, either Swan things or stuff like that. I really liked that there were a few pretty strong cards. I think Dance of the Man's also a very strong card that justified you putting these relatively low-impact cards in your deck. And I think that was nice. I think that was a real success. Jakob, did you put... How many artifacts of the, of the artifact tap lands would you put in your decks on average? Uh, on average, I think on average, like, five. Okay, good. I, nice to hear that. that. That's like that's where I was at. Yeah, They're I so think good. I was always between four and six in my deck. That's that's where I like to be in MH two as well. <laughs> yeah, they were very good. Yeah, and in, in the first deck, I'm not even playing black, the one with the dance. I would just does this have? Oh, Karn. I also Karn is like absolutely good, right. Yeah, Lurus just... is one of the most broken cards, and Karn is one of the most broken cards in this. Yeah, I had Karn in that first deck, and I just just down ticket. it. So good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is like also what we expected when we were talking about it last week. And yeah, pretty much everything with Karnstructs we like correctly predicted would be amazing. Um, I would say yeah. like the biggest miss was probably just the fact that the equipment deck was like really insane, and we did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got, I got, I got handed some equipment deck. So what we what we did expect is that cheap high impact creatures are very good because there's not much cheap interaction right and that should have led us to also rate the uh, equipment deck a bit higher right i remember thinking like something like ragavan itself something like smuggler's copter itself cards like that would be extremely good but then yeah like, they wouldn't really have the support to make them uh super powerful archetypes I think to some extent that's true. Like for instance, mono red and mono white were so much thinner here than they would be in like vintage cube, for instance. Yes. But, yeah, that I didn't I didn't grok those as decks. I never yeah. when drafting or or in years felt like those were the same archetype. Yeah, right. They weren't. Like yeah, the... they definitely lacked support for that. But all the same, that you could still cobble together a very strong aggressive deck. Uh, and equipment did play a pretty big part in that. Um, just because like. You know, if you're trying to make a monocolored deck work, you need a bunch of colorless cards in this cube to get their unplayables. And they're also, you know, immune to creature removal. Um, not that there's a ton of that running around, but still it's something. There's good flexibility. Anything with living weapon, you know, as a two-for-one of sorts can be really valuable. So, uh, so I guess I'll talk a little bit about what it was like for me. So I started off, I drafted a mono black deck, and black, you know is well aware uh, is the color that has the least to do with artifacts, or should I say second least, because uh, of course there is no green in this cube. The color green itself, of course, is excluded from this cube because it just does so little with artifacts that it wouldn't really make sense. And black is like a very borderline thing. 
if you're trying to avoid this turning into a Jeskai cube, you kind of have to include black, but at the same time, like, by including black, especially in a cube that's 570 cards, your black cards are not all going to be super synergistic or have to do with artifacts. Some of them will only peripherally have to do with artifacts. Some of them won't have to do with artifacts at all. Uh, like, you had cards like yeah. Confidant, uh, you had the 3-mana 2-3 Death Touch that can, like, Empiric Tutor <laughs> with Boast. I don't you know how that card ended up in there. Yeah, yeah. that I... I, I, I mean, not that I hate it, but it's just surprising to come up with it. <laughs> sure. Um, that's one where it's like, is there something that like casts stuff off the top of the library? Is there some kind of miracle mechanic? But I don't know. I guess you need black cards, and there are weaker ones <laughs> uh, than that. You find your artifacts with it or something? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't hate it being there, but it's just very surprising to me. I wonder how it just came about. I, no, no issue with. Yeah, there are a number of other ones too, uh, more than the other colors that just aren't particularly relevant to artifacts. So I was trying this mono black deck, uh, kind of just to see, okay, how can I do if I don't really play an artifact deck? Go pack one, pick one, dark confidant. Can I end up with a good deck with a cohesive game plan? The answer was actually like. Sort of. Like, I don't think the deck was very good. I ended up going 2-1, and one, and I think some amount of the time uh, that deck would probably go 1-2 and two instead. But ultimately, like, I don't know. It could have gone worse. Like, black is not an easy color to support in an artifact-y environment. So, yeah, I think it was done decently well. Yeah, it's, uh, I, have to, I have the deck pulled up here. It's an okay deck. What I really like about it is that um, it gives the King Makar um, a chance with the... Uh... Sky Sovereign, Consuls, Flagship, like, it's the way to tap it, Heart of Kieran. Yeah. Did that card perform for you? It was one of the cooler cards to include it that I wasn't sure if it's going to work or not. Yeah, so that card is really interesting um, because that's one that I've been back and forth on for my own Artifact Cube. I've had it in for a while, but just haven't been sure about it. I didn't draft King Makar at all, despite his ability to drive cars, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's in your, in your mono black deck, but I guess it didn't draw it. Well, the problem for me is really the two power. It's just a huge deal breaker because both vehicles you mentioned, I believe, have crew three, and yep. um, you know, just not doing anything on its own uh, is really clunky. I mean, he's the king. He needs a driver, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> the other problem is like you know, the other way you can get the inspired ability to happen is if you attack with it and. If you attack with it, the board's probably already clear. So the best you're doing yeah. is maybe like preventing your opponent from playing something or, you know, racing. They, yeah, it's just, it's such a clunky card. It's a cool idea, but the way the inspired trigger works and the fact that it has two power, I don't like that card at all. I would definitely cut it. <laughs> yeah, need to combine it with the reconnaissance we talked about. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Or smugglers. Yeah. Yeah. You miss it. I mean, Copter is just an insane card with anything, though. Copter with like Memnite is <laughs> insane. So um, yeah, I guess Raven Inspector. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So after that, oh, I don't remember. I think maybe I drafted a mono white deck, and then I tried to draft a Crackshot deck. I think the mono white deck also went two and one. My Crackshot deck went o two, and I thought the meaning of Crackshot deck was just like take greedy expensive cards no. but that did not <laughs> 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 um, 
then I then I actually learned what a crack shot deck was because I drafted um a couple of them, one with Jakob's help, and they both trophied and drafted four aggro decks, and those all trophied too. Um, so I ended up somehow with six trophies in a row, which felt pretty good. Uh, but that's then the seven, nice day and six in the roll. Yeah, yeah that's the, uh, it's funny because last oh. time we talked about this, you were like, "Oh yeah, I don't know about cube and cold," <laughs> <laughs> and just snap pretty... off eighteen wins in a row. Yeah, I mean, pretty good, but. I don't know. Jaybro got nine trophies in a row. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think I think comparing yourself to Jaybro. Yeah, yeah, that is generally true for sure. Yeah, I mean, so I I I drafted four in a row. Um, with oh, hold on. I drafted four and I won yeah, all four. You, yes, there you go. Don't say this in a row nonsense. Like that's yeah. what people like me have to say who like lost to the like you, <laughs> you didn't drop a match. <laughs> no, I did not. But um, yeah, I think my decks were like. All in a similar fashion, but also a little bit different from each other. I just tried to draft the cards we talked about last week that we thought were like pretty broken, which um, mostly are everything that makes a construct token. And then additionally to that, maybe Dance of the Mans, which we didn't talk about last week. Mm. And yeah, Goblin Welder, uh, Ragavan, yeah. Smuggler's Copter, and Daretti being the last one. Mm. Oh, Dreddy is so messed up in this cube. It, it's someone cast that against me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I just I can do it." <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it destroys everything. It does it at a better rate than almost anything else in the cube, and you always have something to sacrifice already. Like that's what I was gonna say. Has... I, you know, I I am happy to play Dreddy in Run's deck or whatever in normal vintage cube, but just yeah. even if I don't have many artifacts, just as on rate. But yeah, in this cube, you just sacrifice one of your lands. Nutty. Yeah, and we, we kind of knew that already because um, uh, in the first iteration of Max's <laughs> similar-looking cube, he had it included, and I had it in my deck and was also yeah stealing matches unfairly with it. So, yeah, and I sometimes got that card third pick and then Jeez. just bent my mana to include it in my deck, which made them look pretty greedy. But the mana bases somehow always, from the numbers, looked better than you would first think. Yeah. So... Like at least for a splash of one to two cards uh, was at least always five colors, and then the main color being around nine mm-hmm. um, kind of just worked out. And then I tried to build some some synergies around that stuff. Like yeah, and another thing that I really, but it's also just common cube um, strategy is to really pick mana rocks early because they are just very good. And as we talked about last week. They are even better in this because most things that destroy it cost more than two mana. So you're yeah. up mana when they do destroy them. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to pop in here with a pretty warm take. I don't know. I'm probably approaching hot, if not hot. <laughs> so J-Bro, again, absolute king of cube, has been saying pretty much throughout the season that the Boros equipment deck is the best deck in the format and it's not particularly close also trophied with a number of decks that you know weren't boros because he's jbro including like demir grixis four color whatever so it's interesting that he drafted pretty much all the other decks trophied with all of them and still thought boros was the best because i actually arrived at a different conclusion um the quote-unquote crack shot decks that i drafted the like greedy mine were i think both base blue white um but just kind of the construct, um, but also like four color value kind of strategies seemed so overwhelmingly powerful to me that 
my Boros decks seemed really kind of tame in comparison. Like it really seemed like they, you know, were more affected by variants. Like I really needed a good draw. Whereas like the controlling decks, like, you know, if I have lands and spells, I like, that's a sneep. Like it's just so easy to, I don't know, run people over when <laughs> all of your cards punch so hard. Like anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, the, with the, the problem with the equipment decks is um, that Equipment decks, they tr take a lot of their power from um, putting pressure and being relatively resilient to spot removal. But I think they are pretty weak to mass removal um, because the mass, or not in general mass removal, but the one that is in the cube because that one not only destroys creatures, but the equipment together with it. So there are a few examples of these, uh, and these are all cards we pretty much underrated the first time around. I think the two... Um, the two that really come to mind for me are Subterranean Tremors and Austere Command. I think those are the best two, probably. Yeah, Austere Command was getting into Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tremors, then... just you have tons of flexibility. And the Austere Command, like, it's a little more expensive. Uh, it's not quite as insane, but it can still be, like, pretty backbreaking. Yeah, you're paying a bit um, extra for the flexibility, but, like, it allowed me one really cool, cool play. Um when uh, Max was watching me um, halfway while, while playing himself. And, um, my opponent had um, copy artifacted, so it's, more, <laughs> it's an enchantment, and it stays an enchantment, so they copied one of their... It's a coercive portal, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a coercive portal, exactly. And I had also copied it, but I copied it with a metamorph, and then my creatures were a little bit bigger, and they had just a, little, a few smaller creatures, and then I destroyed all enchantments and small creatures, and left them and me with each one coercive portal. Um, but I had still my big creatures, so like this flexibility was really nice. And merciless eviction can also often work in a similar way, but it's just weaker. Exiling is nice, but just being able to choose one certainly makes it worse. But just exiling all artifacts can be so backbreaking in this. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Exile in a format where the artifact lands are indestructible is just so valuable. Um, I'm not sure how many times I exiled my opponent's bridges, but <laughs> but I definitely had fun every time I did. Um, yeah, that's that's like an achievement, a certain kind of feel bad. Oh yeah, and you, it's it's not even just like to you know make someone feel bad. I mean, there were times where it was like, well, did I really need to exile that? But there were also times where like you know. It's like, well, I'm exiling their mana mirror, I'm exiling their bridge, they now can't cast any spells and I win the game. So Yeah. Um so the my last game of my last match of this cube, I won by stealing my opponent's two blue white bridges um with my Memnarch and then plus twoing my Tesseret to dom them for ten damage, which was reason. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was a good trophy. So I think the uh, now is a good time to point out that the Tezzerets, uh I think all of the Demir ones, I don't remember ever seeing the mono blue one in play. Yeah, um, I also didn't see that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't What's really know what happened with that one, but the Demir ones, all of them were very impressive. I think there are three. The six mana one was the one that I don't oh, yeah. with. Um, <laughs> that is that a really hurts. interesting card because I feel like this one like it flopped for me from um, I completely underrated it first then I overrated it and um, I feel like I, I ended up now at it's a very strong card in the cube but it's very matchup dependent so I think I should read it up because it's like some weird commander yep, um, I've got it pulled up here if um, yeah. you don't okay. All right, yeah, so you it's, 
a Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, four, and a blue and a black for, of course, a Planeswalker. Uh, it starts by saying, creature and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. So <laughs> all your spells are suddenly very cheap, uh, except for your artifact spells, of course. Um, as plus two um, to deal X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control, you gain X life. Uh, we're going to come back to that one. Minus three to return an artifact card from your graveyard to your hand, and minus eight to exile the top 10 cards of your library, put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. Uh, and it starts with five loyalty. So the plus two, uh, that's basically half of Tezzeret Agent of Bolas's ultimate. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like <clears throat> the weird thing about this card is to me, it's like very hit or miss. Yeah. I think yeah, half I, I... powers is in the plus two. Yeah, Jesse? Oh, I was just going to say that pluses to dome for even a small amount is just a re very real, puts us a very can, you know, specific kind of pressure on the game. Like Chandra, I love a fast Chandra. And a lot of the time, just like, just even just the being able to dome them for two a turn if you need to can really, you know, it just sure. having, having a clock like that that they have to interact with is, is interesting. And it seems like in this format, it would be, it's more like a lava axe every turn. <laughs> that's pretty, that's quite a clock. Yes. And it's not only just the hitting them, it's also gaining you the life. So it's like, Coming down, hitting them for a lot, gaining yeah. you life. It's on seven loyalty itself and gained you some life. So at that point, the opponent really needs to have a good board to um, do something about this. Yeah, it's really um, insane. And it survives so many of the sweepers, and which, of course, makes it a great card to play with the sweepers. And yeah, it's like you can no longer attack the player. You have to kill the Tezzeret, but it's also plus twoing every turn. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a very... like. Um, hit or miss card, I think, because um, it's not really doing anything if your board is not looking good. So if you don't have enough like artifact lands or mana wrap artifacts like mana rocks lying around, then the plus two does nothing, um, mm. and it's not protecting itself. And then in that way, so then it's just like a weird life gain spell. Like <laughs> it doesn't ever really affect the board. So yeah. right, you need to be like kind of a, at least at parity. Yeah. So um, it's like. If you have a lot of artifact lands and this thing, well, it's the master of the bridge. So if you have a lot of bridges, then this card is amazing. <laughs> sure, right? It's like and, um, the fact that this card was printed with bridge on it, and it's so good with them, even though bridges didn't exist when it was printed. It's really hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's, that's some, that's some conspiracy aluminum hat. You know, they, they, they knew all along. Um, you know, it yeah. kind of makes me think of, of the six mana Soren. Yep, I see it. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Yeah, but that affected the board a little bit. Like, this is really much more hit right. or miss, I think. So yeah. I think if you are in a matchup, if you don't have the bridges and you are in a matchup where the board gets traded off a lot, then it doesn't do enough because like, it doesn't really produce that much card advantage or anything. And uh, But in like if your deck is built in a way where it comes down and then make another artifact creature in your hand cost nothing, so then it suddenly does affect the board and then you dome them for a million, then it's just absolutely broken. So <laughs> Right. I think it's a really cool card in the cube. It's one of the stronger ones for sure, but um, it doesn't always work out just like that without any effort. So that's good. That's true. Yeah. One note that I wanted to make going back to the sweepers is um, I had one card in my artifact cube that I didn't see in this one, um, and that card is Cleansing Nova. So Cleansing Nova is three and double white. It's a sorcery that says choose one, destroy all creatures, or destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Cleansing Nova is really great because um, it's not like Austere Command. It's not like Subterranean uh, Tremors. Um, it's more like the... Like, 
it's almost eviction. like merciless. Yeah, exactly. It's like eviction, but it's cheaper and it doesn't exile and it's only one color. Um, so I really like that um, this card is more accessible um, at five mana. Um, and as a mono white card, I like that it doesn't remove the indestructible stuff. Um, I like too that, you know, a lot of the wraths I think feel like straight up hate cards for the aggro decks in this format. Like if you're playing an aggro deck and your opponent goes tremors X equals four, you ever really come back from that? Like I wouldn't guess so. They were more than just that. The mass removal in this was obviously strong against uh, aggressive decks. But they also felt very good against everything else because everything yeah. cared about the board. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. And um, there were no I counter spells from the control index to punish you for paying nine mana for a, for a subterranean tremors for x equals eight. Like, right. It just happened, destroyed everything, and left you with yeah. eight. I think that's method. something that I didn't. That's something that I didn't quite wrap my head around in this cube. Was that like you wouldn't be punished for these of plays? Yeah. Um, in, a, in a normal cube, you know, I'd look at a play like that and think, like, yeah, Mana League is pretty good against that. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the... Dance, Dance of the too. Man's first six or whatever is, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to see a spell pierce. Right. No, you don't. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like in a world of, you know, more cheap interaction, Cleansing Nova still performs really well. Like, it doesn't completely wipe out uh, aggro decks because, like, for instance... Uh, a vehicle or an equipment deck uh, will not have all its threats in the form of creatures, which means, you know, destroying all creatures won't kill everything. You'll probably also have some uh, non-artifact creatures, so destroying all artifacts doesn't get everything. But it's also, like, not dead um, in certain matchups the way, like, you know, some creature removal can be. I think that that card, uh, while probably a, even a better fit for my artifact cube, I think would have been a very nice fit here, too. Um, yeah, I can see the fact that it Actually, that you it forces you to choose being actually an upside as far as just play like yeah yeah. So this and eviction both would be together probably very nice. Okay. So any other notes? Actually, I'm curious, um, Jakob, what your your response to my take would be. Do you think that the Boros equipment deck is like the best thing in the format? Did you run into it very often when you were uh, playing? Um, I think I played it against it once and just fought it to the master. But I wonder um, if J-Pro is not right if um, this format would be around a little bit longer because um, I felt like, I still feel like there's not a lot of um, amazing removal and mass removal in this and interaction. Mm -hmm. But I did somehow in my only four drafts that I did get good mass removal third or fourth picks. Yeah. No, I feel like most people maybe came into it uh, like the way I did or the way like J and QT did, just like not evaluating that mass removal as like, you know, <laughs> nearly as powerful as it ended up being. Um, so I think that's how probably at least how it got passed to you so often. Yeah, and I've I've seen like I think in one of my decks I wasn't really red and then got the subterranean tremors pick seven or eight or something. And yeah. I think that wouldn't happen for all too long. But with these cubes always being around just for one week, there's not all that much time for information to spread. Sure. So if you're not really tuned in, then, um, yeah, these things just take a while, the metagames to shift. And I think that um, goes in line with maybe my last um, thing I want to say about this cube, and that's it feels like it's a format that's very friendly to the cube fans and the people who are really tuned into it. And it also got a lot of praise from, I don't know, Ryan Overturf and J-Bro, 
And mm. I've seen a lot of those um, people also in, in our Discord people had pretty good records. And yeah. also we had like real winning streak. And I feel like it plays into um, a lot of mentality that um, people who are really focused on Cube are already in, like Kumana Artifacts yeah. being very good. And yeah, then um, you can really pick out strategies and really, um, yeah, quickly advance. And I think that other people would make these steps too if, um, if there was more time, but not just in this very brief moment that was there. Yeah, I think um, just really closely following uh, what you just said, being friendly um, to players like you or me or Jbro or Boland, who I think started off like 15-0 or something like that in this format. Um, yeah, yeah. Like being friendly to players like us is almost the same thing as being unfriendly to players who aren't as, you know, tuned into the cube world. Like, yeah, there are, you know, players who are losing in order for all these winning streaks to happen. For um, sure, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I feel like um, that's probably not the most suitable thing uh, for like Magic Online cube that's only available for a week, but in it seems super difficult to calculate something like that in advance too. Like, how are you going to know um, how how well um, <laughs> like players of different calibers are going to do in um, not even like different calibers so much as just like different interests? Like, you can be yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I would have all said. Or yeah, or like different levels of engagement in various networks, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a better way of putting it too. Because um, like you know, for me, like the, I have I go through periods where I'm obsessed with some cube and I'll play a million be on Twitter and checking, you know, and be in my discords. And then like this one, I did a couple drafts and just wasn't that engaged with my, even my network around it and definitely had a different experience than if I think about medic or trying to, you know, get more granular reads on how these decks are built. Yeah. I'm extremely confident that like, if, you know, we kind of just did like the opposite thing. If like you gave it another try, like at the time that I had given it another try, you probably would have found yourself with a very similar record to mine. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I, I can't wait. Next time it comes around, I, I, I will say, yeah, just as far as this, just even, even in the little rump, like just playing as much as I did, it, I think also just having this many colorless cards, like it, it did have a really cool feel of like flexibility and kind of feel like if you had, if there was a card that you had a read on being good that other people didn't, you had a higher likelihood to hit it, you know, kind of regardless of color as well. You know, if, if people were misevaluating Karn and Karn was good, then yeah, you could, you get a lot of Karns. Yeah. I guess yeah. the last thing to say about this, for me at least, is now the pressure is on for me to finally finish up my artifact cube. If it can be done at 570, oh, yeah. it can be done at like 360 or whatever. So At, at 570 in two weeks. Yeah. Right. David well, made like his cube in two weeks. I didn't know that ahead of time, but it's like an amazing feat. And <laughs> while I still think that a few cards maybe are a little bit too strong, um, it's it wasn't like super glaring. Yeah, there weren't too many cards that just, I don't know. Like, I think we maybe predicted a little more savage destruction on the part of the uh, powerful cards than we actually experienced. So, yeah. Okay, so should we be moving on to the draft away now? Yes, please. Let's do okay. okay, so uh, this was an experiment. Um, I don't know uh, exactly what I was thinking would come out of it, but I had just released my 50th um chaos draft video on youtube and i wanted to do something special to celebrate um <laughs> so i figured instead of giving away um like an actual physical prize the way uh, people tend to on twitter and things like that 
um, I thought it would be a really nice um, kind of way to have engagement with the community if I had people enter for their choice of a draft, uh, whether that be a cube draft or a chaos draft, a flashback draft. We don't get too many of those these days. It'd be nice to revisit uh, some old formats for sure. Um, maybe M21 for uh, JNQT, but... Um... <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I should have known um, as a YouTuber who primarily posts Chaos Draft videos that I would get a number of people entering requesting Chaos Draft. Uh, <laughs> and sure enough, one of those people won. And uh, that was JNQT. And uh, I was really excited because uh, I've always been so positive in um, the community and joining our drafts. Um, I know, Jesse, that you've been a Chaos Draft enthusiast for a while, at least. Um, and yeah, it was just really a blast. Um, I want to say recording with you, but sadly, my stream didn't actually <laughs> work. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't know. Very disappointing because um, I don't know, losing out on like the thought processes and like the live thinking. I don't know. I think there's really something valuable there that won't be there in the video anymore. But hoping that um, I'll still be able to capture some of uh, some of the excitement and some of the you know really kind of dominance that we displayed with a very like common heavy deck <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um yeah that it, it that that draft went very i don't know how anyone felt about their decks i think the packs weren't super strong but mm -hmm. uh yeah that deck ended up playing just really well even the you know we did a uh, just for fun that we lost but that mm -hmm. was even like greek lost to a cop red you know so yeah i, I, yeah. I, I had a blast drafting that yeah too bad the the record was didn't turn out great, but I, I think regardless, it was just a I think an awesome event and super happy to participate and to you know get get the W. So yeah. this was a full chaos draft, right? So basically, all available sets on Magic Online were technically available. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm yeah, looking tends through... to produce pretty low power level decks. Yeah, it's funny too because I don't know some of the decks I've had in the past doing these full chaos drafts, I've just I've thought were busted. Um, for me, that feels more like, I don't know, just kind of like weird things happening that shouldn't happen. Like one example that comes to mind for me is like wheeling a thriving rhino card. I was thinking about taking like pack one, pick one, which is two and a green for two, three, uh, that when it enters the battlefield, um, you create two energy or you, uh, two energy counters, whatever. Um, and then when it attacks, you can pay two energy and you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Basically three mana, three, four after one attack. Um, and, you know, a card I was thinking about first picking, it somehow wheeled. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on, but green is super open. Um, you know, that draft felt great to me. I got to trophy that one. Another trophy I had in this format was opening Hornet Queen. But of course, that's, you know, less about the draft itself and more about just drafting Hornet Queen, that one pick. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and but making it work, right? Sure. Yeah. Picking up some grave diggers for it, picking up some elves to cast it earlier. Um stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. How often did you have to cast it against me? I think three times, but then I was just dead. <laughs> there was there's one game where uh it got killed, I bought it back, it got killed again, I went to buy it back and the opponent could uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, in general, I think my experience of this format has been like the stronger uh, the competition, like the stronger players I'm drafting with, the weaker my deck ends up, which makes a lot of sense. Um, in a way, I like that so much because 
I don't know. I'm not the most competitive player ever, but I really enjoy kind of grinding for these uh, really crappy playables. Um, like, I don't know, three mana, two, three was like a relatively exciting card for us, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, so... I, but I think it, I think it was our 23rd card, but it, it played great. <laughs> Absolutely dead. Um, yeah, this, I don't know, this deck it definitely wasn't my weakest. I think uh, the previous deck that I drafted in this format was actually weakest, a black-white uh, kind of equipment deck. Um, but this one, I don't know, it was just such a difficult draft to navigate because uh, it really seemed like we were supposed to be Naya in pack one, at least to me. Uh, like, we almost took an Azorius card pack one, pick one, but ended up taking a bunch of shocks in a row and then seeing some white and green cards more specifically, like a red-green-gold card. So it seemed like Boros was probably open. Then pack two, we saw multiple mind control effects in blue. Uh, we passed the first one because there was a good card in our colors. Um, and that felt very questionable to me at was the that, time. Was that the direct current pick? Yes, that was when we took direct current over Kanai. Well, and I was going to say, we also took it over Pacifism, which you wanted to take, too. That was, that was a, I think, a yeah. pretty interesting pick. Well, for sure. That was an extremely... Extremely difficult pick. Um, <laughs> and I think, I don't know, at the time, like you said, I was thinking about the pacifism, but ever since I've been thinking just like, connive concoct, like such a strong card. You don't even need to oh, be yeah. blue like or black, one of them specifically. You can be either. Um, and somehow, like, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that was 100% the correct pick. If you told me there's a world where we could take direct current over connive concoct and then you know next pick take domestication um over and i think there is even like a medium red card there for us and like have that be correct i think that might have been the world like i think <laughs> i think that it actually could have been correct yeah yeah it that that to me like i don't know i've it privately to you you know some of the places of direct current plenty it's you know it's basically fireball right <laughs> and yeah I have to say, like, Direct Current really is a card that goes up in Chaos, Tra Chaos Draft, but so, but so is Conive Concord, like... Yeah, for the same reason, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. They are similar cards, but they're both very, very good. Both almost clear 2 for ones. so, I mean, if you are feeling confident in red, a pretty reasonable pick. Yeah, because to me, we were so... We were 100%... Red was the only thing we were right, yeah, yeah, and Conive yeah. and Concord being... It's still like blue felt like a speculation and we had nothing in black. Um, and so obviously, yeah, awesome busted. Yeah, I, I, I think I would maybe, yeah, I'd maybe play that back the same. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you masterminded that pick the first time and it definitely worked out for us. Um, <laughs> not to mention something else I think you wanted to talk a little bit about, which was just like kind of the sheer redundancy of like burn in the deck and the kind of different way you can play um, games of magic when your deck is built in such in such a way. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's that was like even with that direct current pick, we were starting to get close to that because I think we had a seal of fire, a shock, mm -hmm. then the direct current, so that's eight points of burn, and then I think we just picked up one more. We picked up that I can't remember the, what's the, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you're at thirteen points of burn that can go face in your deck. You know that, and that that I, I've just found like in just generic medium to low power games of like you know in like a uh, vintage masters, I had some decks where this was also relevant. Um, which is not low power, but it is a different kind of magic, modern right. Just being able to play out a game where you can think about your opponent's life total as like a virtual different number, and, and then just give yourself a certain number of outs. You know, that, that it just like I really enjoy that type of gameplay. 
and and whether or not that's like objective goal i just love like in that draft you know like oh what's this deck do nothing's nothing combusted but it's like yeah but we have a bunch of commons we have some reasonable creatures and we have a bunch of good interaction that also late game that has a split as a split mode of you know you win the game yeah uh, i don't know i think i can't really imagine there's a way for like burn to the face to be harmful unless you really have like a ton of it in a format um because i just think that it enables this different axis for like winning games and that's such an important thing for uh aggressive strategies which are normally so linear like you know, mono red i think a lot of people prefer that to mono white in vintage cube because of the burn like because of cards like lightning bolt whatever um even though you know someone like you or me might prefer our like um, unexpectedly absent effects. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, no, I think I think you're wrong there, Max. I think that um, people people prefer it because five or seven years ago or something, LSV championed the deck and had some videos with that and talked about it on his podcast. So yeah. I yeah, think that's uh, why people like it so much and not. No, I, no, I I I think that's a little, that's of what a good aggro deck is. Um, Sure. Uh, but uh, but also you know yeah. knowing you have a fire blast you can draw is a good feeling. That yes, is a, is. But yeah, I thought this deck played like really well and was that this draft was really fun. Especially like I, I think I agree that this form with good players the decks are weak, and I think that's actually what I love about chaos draft. I love yeah. weak decks. <laughs> I love playing with oh like <laughs> yeah like you're like okay oh we got a hill giant that's the slam that pick you know just to me those the kind of decisions you have to make with how to trade resources and and what access you're going to win the game along which which resources to prioritize in games where you have like a removal spell and you're deciding to use it on their 2-2 or not you know that's just to me like the essence of what makes magic the best game ever um more than like you know in a modern limited where it's all everything's uh, uh, you know uh, at at worst, super on rate and usually a two. You know, it, it's like uh, yeah. something so interesting to me about how to navigate this kind of more open, slower type of gameplay that just I just that's what I love about chaos. And so I love it's fun that this that these decks turned out that way, and then really fun like all shocks and bears deck. <laughs> For Actually, sure. we would have taken a lot more bears. Bears are above rate. That's true. Fiery cannonade, be damned. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that I card mean- was amazing. Yeah, what, yeah. what my the thing that I love about your deck as I have it put up here that I love the most is just um, imagining the curve of uh, Sigil Starfish into um, Fiery Cannonade. I think that's all I ever want to do. You got to do that at least on one occasion, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think we did it to who did we do that to who had like two morphs in play and we did that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty. Oh, yeah, Tarantino wow. Darkrow had multiple morphs and another creature that died to Cannonade, which was, yeah, just very brutal. <laughs> Um, not not fun for them, of course, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, and also the it's that was probably the most as far as just high power level that like end step of their turn they play it another two two and three for one them that was that was probably the oh yeah yeah so the deck was still like pretty good regardless like just being able to burn people out um I think recently too I was doing a popper cube draft where um like my out was. Like, I was playing this matchup that I thought was, like, unwinnable, but my out was, like, a land to kick my um, two-mana, whatever it is, like, Volcanic Hammer with Kicker. I don't remember. Ro- Royal Royal Eruption. I love that card. Yes, that's right. Um, and I don't know, just thinking about it, like, that game is just so much more interesting when there's an actual chance I can, like, win it, right? <laughs> if I'm just, like, sitting there, like, okay, I have no draws, like, you know, game over, then that's not super exciting. But, like able to spike the land and end the game is awesome um so then totally yeah like by the same token like 
being able to brimstone volley somebody out of the game is also a pretty good feeling. The starfish was super, super good. Uh, I mean, it's normally really good, right? Like, it's it's just a great card, period. But in a format where, you know, things are so slow um, that you really have the time to, like, flood out... Uh, Right, where like where, where where late game is actually a dead draw, right? That's I think yeah. that's the distinction where Scry gets now is when yeah, yeah. drawing a, when when not drawing a land is drawing a card. Then yeah, Starfish is pretty messed up. Exactly. Same with like the Goblin Rummager and all that, or even just like using the land for the direct current flashback um, or jumpstart. <laughs> um, yeah, I like to play a little bit more assertive, cheap creatures, and I don't think I've ever put a Starfish in my deck in any format. And I felt like I learned something from you on that one. I was like, oh, that card was baller. Luckily for me, I had just seen it in action before. So I'm, I'm thinking of the Starfish in MH2, the Surveil card. Um, and like in MH2, I drafted a lot of that form pretty well. And, and my decks never had room for that card. But that's like, MH2 is like cube, basically. Yeah. The power level is just so ridiculous. I, I don't think I've ever, ever flooded out. I think if your decks, or I don't know, that, that flooding out is not the thing I'm building decks to strengthen it. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. You're just like playing black, red, and you already have like the discard outlets for lands or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah not, or also not like like dying with both players having an empty hand. Like that's right. not happening. Yeah, exactly. Like you're you're casting a mana four four cascade nine drop, right? <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, just a, just a different place. But yeah, I was mad converted to it in this format, I, and I think like the games that it, I think there were games when it was ancestral, you know. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. The funny thing, too, about a card like that is it can even attack. You're going to need a reason for it, too, like equipment or maybe even raid, but um, I don't know. It just, there's so much play to it. I wish we got cards like that more often. Like, uh, the last one was maybe Aether Theorist, um, and I guess also recently we had uh, 3 mana 0, 4. Um, I think this one does have Defender and just scries at the beginning of your upkeep. I think Geist had the archives, but... Um, yeah, I, I do think it's a bummer when they put Defender as your power creatures, because, yeah, there is some play there. It's, it's, I think it is an interesting... Yeah. Unless they're going for their, like, Defender synergies, yeah. Well, I think I think they often are just going for the arena value, the F6 value on arena. Yeah, just, like, attack all, don't have to worry about your zero power creature, you know, going... Yeah, or if it's the only creature in play, it just skips the combat phase. Yeah. Not that any of us would ever play arena. No, I, I, I do. I, <laughs> I actually don't even have it downloaded. It, it makes me worse at magic. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk because what you just said was more accurate than what I could say. About my <laughs> uh, I will say this. Uh, Facebook recently said, based on my recent activity, I might like MTG Arena. And that made me laugh for a while. <laughs> Jakob, you do, you do enjoy Arena more than we do, for sure. And I, sure. I don't know. You're more tolerant. I, I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I very rarely tilt. I, you know, it's happened to me before. I've, I've tilted. Uh, but uh, if I play arena, it, I, I tilt, and I, I don't really, and I, I don't like tilting. I don't like that person, so I, I like to stay away. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't mind getting my butt completely kicked on moto. It, I, I really don't care. You know, happy to lose. But on arena, it's like I don't know what it is. It, it feels different. It's different. It is different. It also is a. It's drawing you in in a different way like it's much easier to keep playing on tilt and on mtgo that would never happen to me that i would keep playing on tilt and on arena that is much easier you just press the button in your in again and um yeah, i don't know i feel like it certainly has some flaws but also has some advantage yeah it's it's a if you're playing limited and are decent at it it's also a cheap way to play play magic so totally yeah. um 
uh, I would also say that for me, like if, if I'm, if I, like I said, happy to lose, especially to a player that seems good. No, I, not to, you know, magic's a complicated game. I don't think there's a one dimensional who's good, who's bad, but uh, there, you know, sometimes you, you lose to a 61 card Johnny on arena and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> in limited, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely feels a little more tilting when something like that happens. I think. Yeah. Um, Okay, a couple more notes on this deck because I keep looking at it and I keep remembering it and appreciating it more. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that was really nice, um, I thought, was just when we were building the deck, we really did our best to maximize our like X3s and up uh, because of that fiery cannonade. Um, and we didn't actually dodge that many X2s. Like, you know, we still have a number of them in here uh, and even an X1 in the Moonbow Illusionist, but... Electromancer, Marauder, Echo Tracer, uh, Breakneck Berserker, uh, and Frenzied Raptor. I think that's all the X2s. The point is, like, um, we have so many X3s for a red deck. Like, red is not known for having large creatures, particularly, like, in the toughness department. So um, not having a bunch of our own creatures die to our to our own spell, I think, was um, kind of really satisfying. And uh, on top of that... Some of the bigger creatures played super well, uh, like that Pitchburn Devils kind of contributed to the uh, kind of burn uh, plan totally that we were talking right. about. That's, that's, that's 15 points with the Pitchburn Devils. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the Rapacious Dragon was amazing. And even the Gluttonous Cyclops, that thing was like, like those cards were consistently two of like the best cards in the deck, I think. You know, it's funny, but I, I was just thinking about the Cyclops. I'm looking at my other trophy deck from Chaos with you guys. And... Uh, which obviously you know different event, but I I had the Frexian Hulk in that deck, yep. <laughs> which is just six mana five four. It's the same card. Sure, yeah. I mean, we did get to Monstrosity at least once, I think, and maybe the threat of it mattered too. I don't really remember, but um, yeah, it is Frexian Hulk. Um, <laughs> so it's funny that that stat line. That's like not a stat line I've really considered super playable. Like I'm a big fan of Spine Worm in Chaos five mana five four, but oh yeah, six, five mana five four. Yeah. Even for six, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty reasonable effect for us. Oh, and I guess the last last thing we couldn't, you know, leave off without touching on this tricks with the. Well, movement. Are you going to talk about the, the illusionist? I, I knew it. Yes, yes. In fact, that reminds me. Um, oh yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I have a meme. We will we will link your meme. Yeah. Okay. I don't think GMQT <laughs> has seen the meme yet, uh, so I'll um, send it to you. But I'm, um, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the tricks with this card were really great. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what they were? Well, yeah, I think. Well, maybe you should talk first because I think you had the more creative one, and then we just had some fun. We also had like a fun find the lead. Oh, I sure. Too. I mean, that was just an insanely satisfying way to end the draft. Um, it doesn't always happen like that either. Sometimes it ends on a really low note. So being able to end on the note that it did was great. Uh, but yeah, we were mainly using it to try to screw the opponents. Um, to try to, we had one opponent with a bounce land, and we were able to um, cut them off the bounce land with the uh, illusionist, which was pretty insane. Because the the thing about that card um, is that even though it says you know change um, it to a certain like basic land type, um, I think because it doesn't say in addition to its other types, it basically mm -hmm. it works like a blood moon, if you will. So um, <laughs> it's uh, we had one opponent too with a not vold slumber mound. Um, and yeah, this card, uh, we figured out eventually that we could make it lose, um, all its abilities. So including the ability to sacrifice it, uh, blow up a land, make a four, four trample, um, QT, do you see the, 
Do you uh, see the, that? the meme? The meme is is really it's very good because this was the exact <laughs> linear progression we had in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where we felt like idiots at three different and felt like yeah exactly right um <laughs> it's just so sweet it's just it really hits a note but it's it's only for a for a very small part of the uh, magic community this means it's just sure. perfect it just just works yeah I, i'm hoping to find some more um some more ideas like that because i know i've had other moments like that in chaos but None of them come to mind immediately for me. I mean, Shuriken is out, like, that card's always the, you know, haha, I gotcha, like, <laughs> I had a creature with, uh, like, three toughness or greater, and now I'm killing your creatures for free. But, um, <laughs> but that's true. Yep. So, um, anyway. Um, um yeah. Well, yeah, I guess the, the lethal, we could talk about that. That was, that was fun. Yes, that was sick. So we had a, a do, do we have the direct current in the bin? And mm -hmm. we had, uh, we drew our control magic on. Now you're gonna have to tell me with him which necromancer it is. It's like the three mana two two that you can sack it and pay a red to reanimate. It's either like doomed or apprentice. I think doomed. Yeah. Um, and so we drew our control magic. Our opponent was at five. Was it? I think yeah. they were at five. So we controlled ma and we had the or no maybe seven because we also I think had the movements to attack with. Right. So we drew our control magic. Control magic. Their necromancer. Necromancer. And, and I, I'm not realizing this took multiple turns. I should have thought through. But it, anyways, when untapped with it at some point, uh, with the Mubo Illusionist, got a swamp, sacrificed mm -hmm. the uh, the Necromancer to get our hasty 3-2 to get the Xaxi's attack. <laughs> really well. That's really, really sick. Like the fixing the um, mask green opponent, the protection from the um, slumber mount. Yeah. That all coming up. You never actually um, sacrificed any force in this deck for your Goblin Clearcutter. It was really just no. I was I was thinking about that actually, but no, we didn't get a chance to do that. I don't know when I was thinking about that. I think it might have been toward the beginning, but I promptly forgot. Yeah, we we brought it up. I remember yeah. we brought it up. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's like not not easy to do. Like you're not getting that much mana if you have to pay up front to yeah, that's great. Right. And it and it taps right, and you're and you want to. You definitely want to, in this format, attack with you. Yes, for sure. Hello, uh, but I'm, I'm totally with you that that was an absolute... Yeah, that was a really fun part of that trip. Yeah, just a great moment. Like, I don't know. It ended plenty of games with a bang, but, like, that was also, like, a brain blast or something that you had because, that, I don't know, it was just a great uh, thing to come up with. Yeah, that, that was a really, really... And, and I think also that whole draft, I was... Rec I was wanting us to think through fancy plays, and you were like, dude, let's just uh, play our creatures and attack. And then it was fun to end with like kind of an off field. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I remember it is like I was definitely like engaged to it, uh, some of the goofy lines, but like um, for the most part, I was just kind of like saying no. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, not the most fun, but I don't know. We we did, I think, have a ton of fun overall. So. Oh yeah, it was an absolute blast. Yeah, and, and thanks for doing the event. It was. I think the whole thing was. I think the, it's just a. Uh, tribute to the community that you get, you've built and the uh like it's just fun to see like people interested in this niche but really part of magic and excited to you know see more of this community more events in the future sure yeah uh i don't know i mean thank you really <laughs> glad i was able to host it i'm hoping to do i kind of alluded to this earlier but i feel bad for all the people who chose formats that didn't win um including you jakob uh, so yeah, I'm sure it will come up at some point. <laughs> yeah, Yaga, what was what was your format? I can't remember. Uh, I wanted the artifacts cube, and now I got it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> in another way. So. Um, yeah, hoping to uh, you know bring some of those flash flashback drafts to life uh, in the near future here, especially since now we have Vintage Cube up. And although we did discuss that at length, um, it's not my favorite format. It's not Jakob's favorite format. We're looking for things that are a little fresher. Um, so yeah, but I will be playing it, and I'm very happy. A little uh, you know five color Niv Mizzet. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have to have Nismizit. Nismizit is a nice card to, to play in there, but just some, <laughs> some bobs and some... Uh, drip mines. <laughs> yeah, bobs, drip mine, and um, Stoneforge Mystic, and Golos, and uh, Ragavan, talk about all of those cards. Theory. Just put them in there. <laughs> you know, I just... if you I know this, this is... I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I just yeah. talking about Vintage Cube again, which I also just going to be playing a bit of. It's not my favorite format, but it's... There's something nice about kind of coming home to it, you know, like a format that, uh, like we were just talking about, about kind of information, like like how quickly meta yeah. information about metagame chain like is disseminated in these various networks. Like, there's something nice about going back to Vintage Cube, where I think a lot of us just have a real handle on that and kind of like have interesting and expressive yeah. experiences with it without a huge investment, which is kind of it's a nice holiday thing. Yeah, I'm here with my family, and I'll get a couple of drafts in and see if I can, you know, uh, channel into a time twister, and it'll be a good time. But uh, <laughs> and- we have to all say a huge thanks to uh, the Magic Online team and David McDarby again because everybody got a, um, a free entry for this. Yes. So yeah, I thought that was an awesome move. I hope it. I hope it gets uh, even more people on Moto. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it probably will. Um, I actually, I think there was a big uh, personality on Twitter who said they were re-downloading Moto like expressly to play this free draft of Vintage Cube. <laughs> so that's sweet. <laughs> um, that's really sweet. Yeah. I just got that um, that deck that um, GNQT um, sent. Yeah, me. I just I just DM'd you this. I, I was I was thinking about what you were yes. saying about multicolor aggro, and then I this realized I had exactly a deck. It. Like, there's no need for this deck to uh, play many colors. You could just play mono red, but it's maybe stronger <laughs> with the time walk. Probably stronger than mono red, but it's definitely more spicy and probably. Oh, and, and I want you to know this. This was a trophy. Of uh, course, the, the the lotus petal. Pretty hot yeah. here too. Yeah, yeah that's a turn two Oka. This <laughs> looks about perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would bet an eye if some of the higher drop red cards were of any other color, but they don't need to be. This is great. Yeah, I, I would have been happy to pick them, but I was busy taking fetch lands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember you posting this one in the Discord, and it was definitely exciting. I actually tried to uh, replicate it, but ended up with two one with mono white Oka. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I actually heard Oko. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever passed an Oko, and I'm not, I'm not a, being, you know, two packs into a mono red deck is passive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, Jesse, for joining us uh, today. We did go a little bit long, but we also had a bunch of uh, amazing things to discuss. Um, you know, not least of all that draft away, which hopefully we'll be having more chaos drafts and just other sweet community events like that soon and um speaking of if you are listening to this and you are not a member of our discord please come and join us uh we're a pretty open yeah. community uh nearing 100 members uh not that that really matters at all but um the link will be in um the description for this uh podcast episode and yeah hope to see you here soon yeah and yeah thank you guys so much for having me yeah it was a pleasure it was a real pleasure definitely um yeah and looking forward to see what kind of spicy vintage cube uh decks you brew up here in the near future too 
Yeah, oh yeah, same with same with y'all. I can't wait to see uh, see y'all on the Discord, and then maybe if we get really lucky on the mean streets of Moto, some message cube. Awesome, yeah. y'all. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and uh, I'll I'll see you around. Yeah, bye bye everybody. Good. Bye. Take care. Happy moving.